This is Wales. Bangor, Newport, Carmarthen, Rill, Bill's Wells, Norpeth, Aberdeer, Port Madog, Colgan, Regent, Aberavon, Wrexham, Merthyr, Neat. This is Wales. Welcome to the latest Welsh Connection show. Today, I'm joined by Violet Malice. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. Uh, nice to nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, people are going to hear that accent, and they're going to know that we've got a sort of foreigner on the Welsh Connection show. <laughs> and I'll explain that because, because I'm a big fan of what you do. And during the show, we're going to talk to you about that. We're going to play some of your performance pieces and some of your favourite music, starting with this. You wanted me calling me all the time That blondie check out my Chrissy behind It's fine all of the time Like sex on the beaches What else is in the teachers of peaches? Huh, what? Titties like you wanted me, calling me all the time. That bondy check out my Chrissy behind its fine all over the time. What else is in the teachers of peaches? Like sex on the beaches. Uh, what? Huh? Right? What? Fuck the pain away. Fuck the pain away. Fuck the pain away. 
the pain away. Fuck 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 the pain away. complex question I sort of did it I started performing sort of just poetry when I was at university someone dared to do it and I was sort of too afraid to do stand-up comedy um so I sort of just really started writing poetry that sort of would would make people upset um because poetry is such a rigid form and you know a lot of people are quite precious about it and certainly the sort of poetry gigs that I'd gone to, you know, was very sort of um very sort of navel gazing and and you know the sort of poetry that I like is, you know, the the sort of punk stuff, the sort of real voices where you sort of tear the form apart and it's kind of conversational. So yeah, it sort of was my sort of step into performing. Um and 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 my fascination with you know the spoken word so you know John Cooper Clark and how a sort of regional voice can can take something and and make it beautiful but also seemingly easy and and sort of not crafted but actually it is you know poetry in its own right and i think there's not many people doing that and it's still really exciting for me to see sort of an audience cringe and sort of 
be shocked and also you know are inspired by what you're doing so so yeah and then I sort of have evolved it a bit so I've moved from doing just sort of live performance um I don't I'm not published or anything like that because I think you know that the value of what I do is the way that I look on stage and my voice and the way that I deliver. Um, so I've been resistant to, to publishing anything on the page, but I have done sort of small, uh, short poems on Instagram that sort of are matched with a visual and try and sort of capture that grit that I have on stage and sort of my unusual voice maybe. In every dream home, my heartache and every step I take Takes me further from heaven Is there a heaven? I'd like to think so Standards of living They're rising daily but home, oh sweet home It's only a saying From bell push to faucet In smart town apartments The cottage is pretty The main house a palace Penthouse perfection But what goes on What to do there Better pray there Open plan living Bungalow ranch style all of its comforts seem so essential I bought you mail order My plain wrapper baby Your skin is like vinyl The perfect companion You float in my new pool Deluxe and delightful Inflatable doll My role is to serve you Disposable darling Can't throw you away way now Immortal and life-size my breath is inside you I'll dress you up daily And keep you till death size Inflatable doll Lover ungrateful I blew up your body You blew my mind.
and I, you know, and I've started a blog as well, which kind of is a bit niche. It's uh, reviewing erotic literature, and and yeah, so I've I sort of have expanded out, and I'm involved in cabaret, so it's not just strictly poetry. It's it's sort of live performance, and um, you know, kind of it's it's kind of flexible, really. As I said earlier, I was I was blown away the first time I saw you, and I'm glad you mentioned John Cooper Clark because. He's a legendary performance poet. I think you're very much in the same vein, although several generations on. Is he one of your role models? Is it? Is that fair to say? Or it's it's hard to say because I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, I've been when I started out, I didn't have, you know, him as sort of a cut out because I, I suppose I hadn't really explored it very much. I'd sort of explored the literature side, having studied sort of English literature. I'd studied the sort of, you know, the the sort of uh, boring, you know, dusty books and, you know, people sort of uh, ruminating over a comma and stuff. You know, I'd sort of been put off, you know, poetry in a way by the, the sort of teaching of it. So I don't think I was hugely aware of the people that, you know, were kicking against that. And so I think it was a little bit after, cause, you know, when you get involved in the scene, you you sort of end up being swamped by it a little bit. So I don't think I had um, any role models when I started out. Maybe it's evolved more as I've gone gone through it and sort of, you know, watched more, you know, being, being to gritty gigs where people are throwing words around. <laughs> I said, like, you worked your shit, right? So you've got to do some of that. And then, I thought, like, oh, it's in the round and that. You've got to keep this moving, otherwise people look at you. Realise that you don't know what you're doing with it. So, you know, I thought, roll the skates and that. But the paramedics were briefed in that, so. spoken just now about making things sound natural and making things sound easy. I think anyone who's involved in any creative process know that's not the case. How long does it take you to get to where you are now? That's a hard one because I think I've always just tried to capture the way that you speak normally in what I do. So I think probably there's a little bit of an evolution because when you start writing poetry, you, you mimic sort of forms and you you kind of the way that you thread things together is kind of a bit artificial but I think very early on I sort of because of the fact that I like the stand-up comedy side as well and I wanted to sort of mix the two it was kind of colloquial and it was based on you know speech rhythms rather than sort of rhyme schemes and forced 
rhythm, etc. So I think it's always my style has always been, you know, like I've just thought of it, and and like it's lazy, really, like um, like poetry just kind of trips off my tongue. <laughs> um, and I've been aware of, you know, my accent and how, you know, my my normal speech rhythm and tried to play with that so that, you know, um, that's sort of showcased. So, you know, I know that those things become more prominent when I perform on stage. And I think that's kind of a good thing, really, because it sort of really forces it in people's face. And I'm the church and I've come to claim you 
perform on stage. What's the reaction been like from the audience? I mean, abject horror. <laughs> um, and then you get, you know, a mass, massive amount of shock, you know, people who, um, you know, are kind of frozen in time. <laughs> um, and then obviously the people who, you know, think think it's hilarious and are really, you know, really effusive about what I'm doing and how valuable it is. I mean, I've had, you know, people react really badly and sort of walk out and, you know, kind of have a go at me. So it's very interesting to to sort of see those reactions because, you know, it's quite shocking to me that people that would would certainly on on the other side of things sort of, you know, attack me for it. Um because it's not anything that I would sort of say is justifiable but I think it just proves that you know we do have we do still have a way to go in terms of you know what we think is acceptable to say um, and how we say it so I mean I always think as long as people are aren't indifferent then I've done a good job um because you know kind of live performance and seeing stuff that kind of gives you a different perspective even if you don't like it I think is a great thing you know that's what 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 everything that's what sort of makes us tick. I love seeing stuff that I go, oh, I'm not sure about that. Or, um, But I think there's people out there who think if I don't like it, it shouldn't exist, which kind of upsets, <laughs> upsets me a bit. Do you think, possibly dangerous question coming up, do you think the reaction to some people would be different if you were a man saying these things? Yeah, yeah definitely. But I also think it's tricky. So I I do write a lot about sex and sexual subjects and I've seen a lot of men totally die you know who write poems and stuff about sex and it's really hard to understand exactly why but I think it's the nuance you know it's the nuance it's the way that you do it it's the 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 way that the audience feels about you you know if it if it's in the right done in the right way um and you know I think I do, I try and make sure what I do doesn't, isn't misinterpreted. If it is offensive, then I know. Um, but I think a lot of men really fall down on, on the sex side. And I think, you know, I think the part is because of the power dynamics and because it's very easy to present somebody as, you know, the, the sort of less powerless one or you're taking advantage of someone. And what I try and do in my poems is, is make sure that all of the people in the poetry are flawed. I'm not presenting, you know, certain people as as better. I'm just trying to present people how they really are, you know, when we're all kind of flawed and, you know, at assholes, you know, so most of the time. So I think, yeah, I think... I think it takes time to get that balance right. And I think maybe people sort of rush into it and have a go and then it goes badly and then they don't touch it again.
you spoke earlier about the dry and dusty side of poetry. We certainly see a lot of that down here where I am. I think it's the same everywhere. Where do your ideas come from? Because they're very refreshing. I think real life stuff. You know, I just make notes. You know, things happen or someone says something to me um, and I just make notes about it. Or I, or, or I overhear someone or someone, one of my friends tells me about something that happened to them. And I just go, oh, man, that you know, that was that sort of shouldn't have happened. Or that's interesting. I wonder whether, you know, other people have experienced that, too. And I think, you know, what the one of the things that I love about reading is, you know, when you get that moment where you relate to something. And I think there's a real value in sort of picking those moments that make that stop you. And, and make you think and sharing them because I think people get a lot of reassurance from that. You know, you're not the only one or, um, you know, it, it does make you feel part of a community, which, you know, we sort of feel less and less. So I think it's it's those moments where I go, oh, that's interesting, you know, or, or I haven't heard that before. And I think that's what good writing does because I, I also just regurgitate all the great things that have been talked about, you know, like in, in literature and writing, I think you've got to write about your time and your experiences because it really res- that's what resonates with I think if I was to make all this stuff up, I think people would see straight through it. It makes me sick to imagine him cooking her some ragu <laughs> on a soft Friday evening just like this one. The sun going from lemon to peach in an instant. Him handing her the cutlery that I used to put in my mouth. And her eating it all up gracefully like a sparrow in the Warburtons. It makes me sick to imagine just how creamy the palms of his hands must be. From all those layers she's got in her cunt. Like baklava, baklava, that's been annihilated by 24 hours of hand fucking. I can't stop thinking about it. It makes me sick to imagine him picnicking out of her ass off some thoroughfare in Norwich. <laughs> All tart and charcuterie, over-refrigerated grapes, and no knickers. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I used to think I knew, but now it's all changed. It makes me sick to imagine him, go- him going down on her with such conviction like the last few inches of the fucking Titanic, just standing there horizontal, intensely still, like the whole world has paused for two seconds before it disappears forever, pulled down under the covers of the sea. I am the gates of hell. It makes me sick to imagine his fingers touching all the rubbers in the gift shop at Leeds Castle, which is in Kent, by the way. 
and everyone there is having a pretty good time. It makes me sick to imagine his forked fucking tongue slicing through the vast hall of her psyche, tearing down my fucking neck curtains and both of them staring into the sun. It makes me sick to imagine the head of his penis in the dark, dark woods of her soul. I imagine it like hydraulic, hydraulic, can't get my tongue around that, hydraulic fracturing, otherwise known as fracking. He injects fuel, fluid, at high pressure into her sedimentary rocks to release all that shale gas trapped of her fucking anus. <laughs> which explodes out of the inside of the earth into a big industrial plastic bucket, poisoning all the groundwater and wrecking the habitat of all the other creatures that share this earth. Just because they wanted to fuck. <laughs> it makes me fucking sick to imagine the root of his penis buried up to her fucking neckline. She's totally sucking on it like way better than I ever could. And he's enjoying it way more than he ever should. Way more than any time he ever spent with me. And I was putting loads of effort in like I couldn't have sucked any harder or pulled out any more stops. That was the best of me. And now, I'm not sure what's left of me. Nice, nice. This is the first script to that poem. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> he used to keep his wife's ashes on the mantelpiece. True story. And one evening, I remember it was pissing it down. And I uh, scattered it in the pasta. <laughs> it was at this point that he got off the carousel of our love and didn't put any more change in the machine to keep the plastic horses mincing around. I'm not entirely sure whether I regret it or not. You spoke earlier about um, you do a blog as well, and of course you got the Raunch Review. Where did that idea come from? Mainly because, so I really love erotic literature. I think it's really underestimated. I think there's just loads of really interesting books out there that are um, that tell us a lot about our view on sex and how that's changed. Um, and I think they're just sort of like just represent something that maybe has been lost slightly. And, you know, they have great covers, you know, from the 60s and all of that. And there's just a great history to all of it. And I think, you know, titillating writing is really tough, really, really hard and just really great to read. So I basically wanted to just read more or less everything that I could find that's deemed erotic literature. And I 
sort of thought, well, there's not really many resources out there where you can say, well, I'd like to read a book on this or, or, you know, or even a place that reviews them. So I thought, well, if I'm reading them anyway, I might as well do it. So I just started writing the blog, mainly, you know, the Ranch Review, which, um, yeah, sort of looks at the interesting works of erotic literature, mainly because I thought, well, there's probably people, a few people like me <laughs> that want to, that would benefit from having someone say, actually, this book's really good. You should buy it or seek it out because a lot of these books are out of print. So I just thought it might be a value to one or two people. I understand that it's really niche and probably loads of people <laughs> are not interested in erotic literature at all. Uh, but it's been a really fascinating journey because there's some amazing books out there that sort of no one's ever heard of. And I've stayed away from all the ones that most people know about because there's no point in me reviewing them because everyone knows about them and, you know, we've probably all read them. Um, but it also has been really good for me just to 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 publish writing more frequently. So something that's not poetry, it's not performance, it's literally just, you know, my review of a book trying to make it funny and engaging, but equally have value. So I've really enjoyed it, actually. And I, you know, I sort of try and get through a book a week and, you know, uh, you know, showcase the cover image and things like that, because usually they're, they're pretty exciting to look at. Hey, I think you've got a great idea for a book there. You can have your own review book. Yeah, totally. I mean, a few people have said maybe I should publish them. But my main aim really is to write my own work of erotic literature, having read the whole canon so that I know what's been done and then, you know, make it the best piece of erotic literature out there. Although I know that's, you know, totally impossible and probably not going to happen. I sort of like the idea of it. Hey, unless you try, you never know, do you? You could be the one. (laughs) Totally.
said at the start of the interview that you know you're not welsh there's no welsh connection that we know of unless we do one of those dna tests on you and then you probably you'd probably end up being scandinavian or something but i'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan of what you do what are your plans for the future with your performances and your work um so i mean i'm hoping to to really sort of jump back right into performance it's quite tough though because i don't really fit into any of the sort of performance categories so i don't really fit into Poet, the poetry scene. I don't really fit into the comedy scene. The cabaret scene is fine, but you know I'm sort of viewed as sort of an exoticism, but not really because you know it's not hugely visual. So um, it's really hard to find gigs. Uh, so, but I, I need to. You know, I really want to get back on the horse. You know, I have a few gig- gigs a month, but I'd love to have you know a few gigs a week. So I just need to know, you know, find out where I. I'm best, really. I did an amazing sort of queer cabaret night in London at the Eagle uh, called Ducky, which was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it's probably one of the best responses I've ever got to what I've done. Um, So I think I'm going to, you know, kind of seek out, you know, more of those sort of niche underground gigs. Um, And that's what I prefer anyway, sort of small, sweaty audiences. And I also am involved in the cabaret scene in Ramsgate. So there's loads of stuff going on. Um, you know, seaside towns are perfect for sort of alternative entertainment. So that's been really good. And I've got, yeah, so I've got sort of those sort of gigs going on, but I definitely need to put my foot on it in terms of trying to get more stuff around the country. Girl, girl, you got a lie, but you just wear your star. 
to When you goon sprayed up at this bitch Won't get a match or you won't do much See, even if you do want to bust You bitch, you get your card and touch your crew up too Pop, you playing with your butter like a boo Won't you cock the gun too? Where you do eat goon, hun? I'm fucking with your cutie cue What's your dick like, homie? What are you into? What's the run, dude? Where do you wake up? Tell you bitch, keep hating I'm a new one too, huh? See, I remember you when you were the young new face But you do like to slumber, don't you? Now you boo up too, hun I'ma ruin you, cunt What to undo I'm when I appear? account everything you've done with your performance and and your work is there anything you would have, you would have done differently and is there any advice you could give to up and coming performers i think i would have tried to do maybe more gigs like a few years ago i think you know i started out like maybe 10 years ago and i think if i'd you know done more and more gigs uh, at the start i think that would have been really interesting just for me to compare. You know, I I understand I'm never going to be mainstream or, you know, um, anything like that. And I have no aspiration to be. But I think there were a few knocks that I had, you know, where 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 people were really critical of what I was doing. And, you know, I probably didn't push as hard, you know, as I should have done to get, to get more gigs and, and just you know, carry on regardless. So I sort of wish that that I'd done that. And I think that's about sort of your confidence, really. And so I would just say to people that you should, you know, I mean, you're always going to be honing your craft, but I think I think just, you know, believing in what you do and just going for it in, in on your terms. So, you know, if you want to do certain types of gigs, go and get them and don't take no for an answer. I mean, I did start my own cabaret in London uh, for that reason, because just, you know, there were just no gigs for like unusual acts and people that sort of defied the genre. So I started this kind of cabaret Voltaire type place where you never knew what anyone was going to do. And it was hopefully going to like introduce you to something that you didn't expect. And so, you know, that was really exciting for me. And I'm really proud of doing that. And maybe there's room for me to start that up again, because I think, you know, hopefully we've got more of an appetite for you know, that sort of thing now out of, you know, the pandemic and all of that.
thank you so much for spending time with me this evening and talking about your great work. I am, as I said, a huge fan, and I just wish you every success. And you know what? I think you just carve your own niche. Start your own path and don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Totally. Well, I'll try my best. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
this. <laughs>